right. I want to sincerely begin this morning with a humble heart, praising our Lord and Savior for what he's doing right here at Schofield Middle School. I just want you to look around. Look around for a minute. I'm going to give a little timeline here. Just look to your left, look to your right. It was 11 months ago that I was invited to a vision meeting to see what this was going to look like one day. That followed with eight weeks of strategy of how that vision was going to take place. And then in September, that glorious launch date. Remember that? That day we all came and packed the house over there at the small auditorium. And then look at us today. And this is all due to him for his honor and glory. So amen to him. Amen. It's been an incredible journey for me and my family. And I also want to praise God for the leadership of this church. The core team that was a part of that vision team, that strategy meeting, that launch date. And I know that many of you can say the same thing that I'm going to say here this morning. They genuinely cared when we came. They put their arms around us, they loved us, and they made us feel welcome to be able to call Walk our home. So I'm really excited and thankful for the opportunity to speak on behalf of our pastor today who is celebrating his father's induction into the Boxing Hall of Fame. How cool is that? So a great day for the Ratner family as they're celebrating. But I want to say this, as an old and gray guy, all right, old and gray, when I first started coming to this church, I was intimidated. And I'm not an easily intimidated guy. But it was the young and cool versus the old and gray. I mean, how cool can you get when you got Kalo up here doing a rap with the band as a warship? I, that's the first for me. That's the first. Then we got Jack and the crunk thing going on, you know? And uh, on top of that, I had to learn a whole new cool slang. I've been compiling words and phrases that eight weeks during the strategy meetings, I'm listening to all you young and cool people talk, and I'm like, what are they saying? <laughs> so now you get a little bit of an idea of why I was just a little intimidated when God said, this is where you got to go. I said, okay, Lord, we'll, we'll, we'll try to make it work. Because when you take young and cool versus old and gray, you have a major contrast. But here's what God reminded me of. A healthy church has no generation gap. A healthy church has no color gap. A healthy church has no social gap. And a healthy church has no financial gap. We're God's people. He loves us all equally. He wants to see us come to him as Lord and Savior. And he wants us to walk in him as his people. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. But first, I want to give you an idea for some of us old and gray peeps that are here today. Anybody old and gray besides me in the crowd? Okay. I want to I help give some definition to some of these cool words and slang that come out of Pastor Hyden's mouth during the, uh, the preaching moments. They make me laugh out loud. They really do. I, I, I keep in my phone, as he says certain things, I, I go to notes and I add it. I compile all these sayings right there on my phone. So, uh, when I think of young and cool versus old and gray, I go to late night TV. Jimmy Fallon. Is he cool? He is young and cool. You know, the way he does his hair 
you know, his facial expressions, the way he, he interviews his guests, the songs that he sings. It's also when he does his skits. And my favorite part about Jimmy Fallon being young and cool is when he does his thank you notes. Anybody like the thank you notes like I do? Now contrast him to old and gray. My man, David Letterman. Oh, no clap for David Letterman? Come on. Anybody know who David Letterman is? I grew up on David Letterman. You know that dishuffled gray hair, little round glasses, goofy smile, contagious laugh? He did his monologue like nobody else. You know, he could just pull it off and just boom every time. And then the way he would make fun of his guest, he'd just make fun of them, make them look stupid, but we'd all laugh. They laughed and everything was good. But my favorite thing about old and gray Dave Letterman was his top 10 list. You ever have a bad day? You're down psychologically? Had a tough day? Go to YouTube. Pull up three or four of his top 10 lists and just laugh. It's a lot of fun. So today, in order to help some of our old and grayer folk like me, kind of get a grasp of what's going on with that young and cool slang so that we can be gray and cool instead of just old and gray, try to be gray and cool with this young and cool crowd, I've put together a top 10 list, okay? So this is just for us to be able to hopefully understand some of the things that come out of the mouth of our pastor. So in order to help us with this today, I'm going to step down here. In order to help us with this top 10 list, I've invited our pastor, Pastor Hyden. Pastor Hyden, is he, is he, where is he? Is he here? Oh, Pastor Hyden, good morning. It's good to see you. Our top 10 list, our category is the top 10 things that sound cool when said by Pastor Hyden, right? All right, number 10. That's a good word. That's a good word. You're speaking truth to me. You're speaking truth. All right, let's keep going. Number nine. Bruh. That's bruh. Not bro. Not brah. Brother, it's good to see you. It's nice to see you today. Number eight. Number eight. Hey, you're looking fresh. Here's what he's saying. I really like what you're wearing. And those shoes are the bomb diggity. That's what he's saying. All right. Number seven. That's what's up. That's what's up? That's what I'm talking about. That's what he's meaning right there. All right. Number six. Man, I'm geeked up. <laughs> I've watched him watch the NBA Finals. He gets geeked up. He gets excited. That's what that means. All right. Number five. One of my favorites. Let's eat. If you're ready, look at the person next to you and say, let's eat. For us old and gray guys, that means if you found the verse of the day, say amen. <laughs> Number four. Don't be a me monster. Yeah, we learned that a month ago. If it's all about you, you are a me monster, all right? Don't be a me monster. Number three. Man, that's dope. I didn't get this one. I had to go to him and say, what are you talking about? He's simply saying, man, that is cool. Oh, okay. All right. Number two. This is a good one. Hey, let's chop it up. Let's chop it up. Let's get together, have a conversation, and catch up. 
That's what he's saying. And the number one thing that sounds cool when said by Pastor Hyden is... Let's keep it 100. Let's keep it 100. Let's keep it honest. Pastor Hyden, thank you. Have a great time with your family. All right, buddy. Now, why I did that is because today I'm going to keep it 100, okay? I saved that one for number one because I'm going to be talking about something that hits me right here. We've had a little fun, but it's going to get a little serious, okay? Is that okay? Can we have a heart that's open today and not judgmental or offensive? Just kind of hear what God's Word says about our walk. Matter of fact, I've titled today's message, Does Your Walk Matter? Because a walk should matter. That's what today's message is all about. And what I want to say is this. Your walk in Christ is either a magnet where it's drawing people to him, right? Or it's stagnant. If you've ever been around an old stagnant mud puddle, you don't want to get very close, do you? It's ugly, it's nasty, and nobody wants anything to do with it. So today, in order to keep it 100, I'm going to talk to you and I about our walk. And the reason why is because Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, if you would please turn there. If you'd like a Bible to follow along, raise your hand. We'll get you a Bible. The the, the verses will be on the screen here this morning. But this is a very important passage to Walk Church. This passage actually inspired Pastor Hyden to name our church Walk. This is where we got our name. And it means something. And if you look at it very closely, it's just very simple. It says, therefore... As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You know what he's saying? If you're really saved. If you've truly put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility to walk in him. This is not a suggestion, is it? It's a command. And if we're truly saved, this is where we need to be. Father in heaven, we bow before you. We thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you for reminding us of the last 11 months where we have gone from just a vision to a strategy to a launch. And as we look left and right here this morning, we see the results of that. We see an incredible church that loves you, that wants to see people come to you and not only come to you, but trust you as Lord and Savior. But Lord, then we have a responsibility to take what you have given us and to share it with others. Lord, I pray for the people that I know and love that don't know you. I pray for them right now. Lord, that if I can't be used to reach them, please, Lord, put somebody in their path that can. Lord, I pray for this city, the vision that walk has for the city, freeing people from the sin so that they can walk in you. Father, I pray that you continue to allow the word of God to be our final authority for faith and practice. Lord, as we look to your word today, Lord, challenge us. Lord, convict us. Lord, move us to repentance if needed be. So that, Lord, when we leave the doors here today into this beautiful city that we call our mission field, that we'll be equipped to walk as you would have us to walk. Father, we love you. Be with our pastor as he has gone with his family. I look forward to bringing him home very, very soon. Lord, 
Thank you for this time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, this is hard for me to say, but uh, I'm keeping it 100. I'm going to keep it 100. I've been a faithful church member for 35 years. Some of you don't know this. Not only was I a faithful church member, but I was a lead pastor for 13 of those years. I had the incredible honor to be a part of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and to watch that start here in the city of Las Vegas and around the state. Matter of fact, last week we saw the incredible leadership of Rick Strasser baptizing one of his athletes. Wasn't that cool? Still going strong. But during that 2009-2010, God opened a door for me to go back into the corporate world. And not that I walked away from God, I just kind of lost my joy. I wasn't on that front line anymore. You know what happened to me? I, I kind of bought into a lie that I would tell my daughter as she was going then, uh, getting ready to go to Biola, who she just graduated from here a couple of weeks ago. But then I said, honey, you know what? I've done my thing for God. That's a dangerous thing to say. You know, I've been on the front line. I'm going to step back, and you know what? The baton needs to be handed off to the younger generation. That was a lie. Because if you look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3 or 6, it says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. There are no conditions to that, is there? There's not an age. There is not a circumstance condition. There are no conditions. But I had bought into a lie. And you know what the enemy did to me? As a very vocal kind of a guy, he silenced me when it came to the Lord. I wasn't as overt in my walk. Does that make sense? I had succumbed to the ways of the corporate world. And it's kind of like the old frog story that's set in a pan, and you turn up the heat one degree every day. That frog eventually boiled because he didn't feel it heating up. And that's what kind of happened to me. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that because I became a crusty pew sitter. Any crusty pew, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Any crusty pew sitters here today? I know there are, just because. That's the way it is. And I was going to one of the hottest churches in the, in, in the country, Hope Church. I was under the preaching of Pastor Vance, who I think is one of the best ex expositional preachers that you can listen to. And still wasn't moved. Matter of fact, when I came to Pastor Vance and told him that uh, I think God's moving us on to walk, I had to apologize. I had to repent for not being involved. I had the attitude, oh, he's got enough people. He doesn't need me. And I guarantee you there's some people here today that think the same thing here at walk. You got Joy. You got Spencer. You got all these young, cool people that are helping lead. What? You don't need me. I bought into that. And I tell you this today because I don't want any of you ever to be silenced like I was for the last four or five years. Like that frog. Every day the heat turned up. So let's listen to what God has to say this morning. Here's what I want to do. I want to look at the word walk. What does that mean? I guarantee you there's some here today that may not know. There's some here today that do know but really don't care 
That's okay. But hopefully today you'll be challenged, maybe convicted. And I tell you what, when God brings you to repentance, it's a humbling experience. But now that I've gone through that repentive stage 11 months ago, I am free. I am free to overtly be involved again and to speak boldly about our Lord and Savior. So I'm excited about that. But as we look at the word walk, let's just focus in on that one little word. Very simple passage, but that one little word walk. Let's see what Webster says. The definition of walk is this. Move at a regular and fairly slow pace by lifting and setting down each foot in turn never having both feet on the ground at once. That's pretty simple, correct? You know what he's saying? Webster is saying it's not a run. It's not a sprint. There's no timeline, but you just keep walking. That's what God wants us to do. One of my favorites when it comes to theological teaching, Charles Spurgeon, pastor, teacher. I love what he says about the idea of walk. Are you ready? By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. How cool is that? The little guy made it to the ark. You know what? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Chuck Swindoll says this. I love Chuck. Chuck's one of my You guys know Chuck? Older gray guy? The reason why so many believers make no progress in their spiritual life is either because... They do not walk in God's will or because they do not know how to walk in God's will. Due to their not walking, according to the will of God, their spiritual lives remain stagnant. There you go. Walk. We are to walk in him. Now we've seen what the world says about walk. What does God say about it? So here's what I would like to do. I'm going to take you to a book that's one of my favorites, written to the church by the Apostle Paul, inspired by God. Got that? The book of Ephesus. Ephesians, the church of Ephesus. And in this particular book, he gives us six very clear definitions of what our walk should look like. Eleven months ago, I went to these verses. I went to these verses, these passages, and I had to as Vance would say, unpack them into my life. Examine them. I don't have the time today to help examine that in a lot of detail, but I, there's some things I want you to see. But then after we look at these six passages, I want us to go and look at the energy that allows those passages to become real in our lives, okay? Then we're going to bring it to a conclusion. And here's my challenge as we keep it 100. If there's anybody here this morning, especially you husbands. Now, husbands, please, I've earned the right to say this after being married 35 years this September. God has called us to lead our homes, right? And here's what saddens me. When I look back on those last five years, not only did I step back from the front line, but my family stepped back with me. And the incredible gifts that God has gifted my wife with were silenced. My son, my daughter, we were not involved as a family. Husbands, fathers, if God lays it on your heart this morning, 
Maybe you're a mother here today, a single mom or a single father. Maybe you're just an individual that has not been moved yet to walk in him in a powerful way. Learn from me, okay? Learn from me. And at the very end, we'll bring it to an attitude of repentance. What does God say about our walk? There's six things that I want you to see this morning with me. Our walk should be wholehearted. Our walk should be worthy. It should be working. Wise. Witnessing. And when that all comes together as one, it's a wonderful walk. I can honestly say 11 months later, I am so thankful that I was able to get through that desert that I walked through for those four or five years. And now a part of what's happening here at Walk Church. So, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Here's what he says about a wholehearted walk. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer? No. That word is must. The beautiful thing about God's word is, he doesn't give a whole lot of suggestions, does he? They're commands. And he tells you and I, as those who have trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. You know what a Gentile is? In the New Testament, the Gentile is defined as a lost person. For 22 years, I was a Gentile. I walked in the world. But the day I became a born-again Christian, God removed me from that walk. He removed me from that darkness. But it doesn't remove me from a sinful world, does it? And there's times where I try to walk in God and in the world at the same time. And that's a miserable place to be. I'm going to say this with a lot of experience. The most mean, nasty, judgmental, just throw whatever adjective in there you want to throw in there. When it comes to certain people, I have found that many of those people are Christians who know Jesus. At one time, they are so excited about the Lord, but they allowed this walk to sneak back in, this darkness into their hearts. And they fight that spirit day in and day out. They fight it. And they're miserable trying to replace what they should be doing with things in the world. And they're miserable people. Look what he says. They are darkened in their understanding. Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to the sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Don't be half-hearted in your walk. Be wholehearted. A walk that matters is a worthy walk. Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have been called. You're one of the called. You are here. You are part of the team. Like Haydn says, he even had some shirts made. His team. You're on his team now. That's what the Bible tells us. And look what he says. Not only are we called, but we're to walk a worthy walk, a walk of great value. 
And there's only one way that can be done. And he tells us right here, with humility and gentleness. That's hard in a society that we live in today. Would you agree? We live in such a prideful society. We're prideful about everything. I think pride, honestly, is the greatest sin known to man. It'll keep a person from coming to Christ because they think they can do it better on their own. It'll keep a Christian from coming to repentance because they know better. But that worthy walk will only come with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We're to forbear one another, not judge each other. Forbearing is putting up with people who aren't like me. Isn't it funny how we love the people that are like us? And the people who aren't really like us, we're kind of like, eh. Remember, God's church is made up of all of us. And there's to be unity there. When I wasn't quite running on all eight cylinders, I was like a judge at the Olympics. I was judging everything from A to Z within Christianity and in the church. But this dirty rascal would never step up and say, let me, let me try to help with that. Never would do that. A walk that matters is a working walk. Let's look at this. This is an interesting word, working walk, because so many of us put our relationship in correlation with what we do for God. He could care less what you do. He's not interested in what you do because he's interested in what you are. And when you are what God wants you to be, the doing takes care of itself. And that's what he says here. First of all, for by grace have you been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you think maybe good works is going to get you to where you need to be, put it aside. Every religion on the planet boasts about what they do. Would you agree? Christianity is the only one by grace. Everybody else is by do. What do I need to do for God? And if I do enough for God, I'm okay with God. No, you're not. Those works from a lost person mean absolutely nothing. However, when you come to Christ, look what the Bible says. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look at that. Because of my newfound faith, because of my newfound boldness in him, I want to work, right? Look around. This didn't just happen because we had a magic wand. There's people that get up at 8, 9 o'clock, earlier than that, 7.30, 8 o'clock, to be here to get this thing set up. Right now, we have people over in the 412. Can I put a plug into our church for all of us who are sitting here this morning? We all need to be involved. We all need to be involved. You know, when I wasn't running on eight cylinders, I was one of those guys that had lost my joy, really. Had a bad attitude. I was one of those guys that was late coming to church and one of the first ones to leave. That's not a good place either. And by the time I got to my car to open my door, I'd already forgotten what the preacher had to say. Wow. A walk that matters is wise. Look what it says here. Look carefully, then how you walk. 
not as unwise, but as wise. You see this little black book? You know why some of us are so unwise? Because we never want to do this. You know why? The Bible is likened to a mirror. And when you open this thing up, sometimes we see an old crusty pew member who's judgmental and doesn't want anything to do with ministry. And I don't want to read that very long. So we don't read it. Therefore, you're walking unwise. He tells us it should be a wise walk. We are to walk wise. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the only way we will have a successful walk. Well, a walk that matters is a witnessing walk. Ephesians 5, verse 8 through 9. For at one time you were darkness, remember the Gentile? But now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Let me tell you why our walk is so important. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Our kids don't hear what we say, correct? They hear what we do. They hear what we do. And the same thing with our friends and families. When we tell them about Jesus and how awesome he is, but when our walk is stagnant, they're like, whatever. Talk to the hand. Not interested. And that's what happens. That's exactly what happens. God, again, is not interested in what you do. He's interested in what you are. When you are what he wants you to be, you will do what he would have you to do. And people are going to go, there's something different about that person. And you become a magnet. And you draw those people to Christ. When you find these five things working in your walk, it becomes a wonderful walk. A walk that matters is a wonderful walk. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. When walking on all eight cylinders, I think of Jesus as he walked on this earth. Can you imagine following him around as a fly on the wall? This weekend, we sat around as a family and we watched Risen. And the person that depicted Jesus, his countenance was incredible. It was kind. It was soft. It was encouraging. That's a prayer of mine often when I'm not a crusty old pupil. Sitter, when I find what it means to truly walk, Lord, give me that countenance, right? Lord, give that to me. Allow me to have that kind smile, that encouraging word, that nice pat of encouragement on the back and say, come on, man, we're in this thing together. Let's do it. Let's bring honor and glory to him. Well, here's a question as we go back to the top 10 list. Remember, keep it 100. Based upon what we've seen so far, how's your walk? In your own heart, you got to answer that question. How's your walk? I'm going to show you something here with an orange. I'm going to show you something here in just a moment with an orange that hopefully will show you why we play mind games with ourselves when it comes to our walk. Joey's going to help me here. He's going to open this guy up. But... What we read in Galatians chapter 5, if you would look at me, look with me there, please. Galatians chapter 5, 
verses 22 through 26. This is the power of our walk right here. And this is going to show you something very powerful, okay? But look what it says. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, look carefully, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Can I point out that last sentence in that verse? Do we not see that in a lot of churches today? And then we wonder why the world is so turned off from Christianity? It's not any different than the world. And the reason why is because we're lacking the fruit. There's no fruit in our lives. Here's how we justify our walk. We look at this passage and say, well, I may not be very loving as a crusty old pew sitter, but uh, uh, let me see here. Am I, uh, well, let me pull one out here. Uh, well, sometimes I'm gentle. You see where I'm going with this? Or I'm a loving guy. I'm a kind-hearted guy. I don't blow up too often. I'm good, okay? My walk is okay. Well, here we go. Here's, the, here's a fruit. Please look at Galatians chapter 5. It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. So you can't claim 1 to 5 to 8. You've got to have them all. You've got to have them all. You're going to find something really cool when I open God's creation here, how he shows us the spiritual things through the natural things. There's nine aspects to that piece of fruit right there. And without all nine, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you do not have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Look at this. I'm going to open this up. Joy, I hope you have a napkin. <laughs> all right. Smells good, doesn't it? Wow. Yeah, you can eat it. I washed my hands after I went to the... Well, all right. You see this? The heart of the fruit. Isn't that cool? Now watch this. Look at that verse. Go back to the beginning of that verse. There's love. Where are we at? There's joy. Call them out. There's peace. Patience, kindness, kindness. Goodness. Goodness. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow. See that? Now watch this. If I remove any of this orange and try to put it back together, it's incomplete. See that? It's incomplete. So, Joy, if you could get me that napkin. There you go, buddy. Thank you. I just wanted to point that out. I've read that verse many, many times. And it's funny. You'll even hear people quote that verse with the word fruit as plural or a singular. Excuse me, plural, as they say, fruits of the Spirit. But it's not. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So what we do, we justify our walk. I'm going to go out and say this about this guy. Remember the old gray-haired, crusty pew sitter? 
Doing absolutely nothing for God? There's no fruit. And what do people do? They don't hear what you have to say. They hear what you do. They hear what you are. They hear how you walk. I remember my pastor from years ago as a college student. He came to know the Lord. He says, you know, I was so sick and tired of everybody telling me about how I needed Jesus. 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 And then one day, Dean, you won't believe this, I met a Christian. Wow. He didn't tell me I needed anything. I could just see it all over him. And I went to him and said, what do you have? I want what you have. He goes, I have Jesus. He goes, I want it. I don't believe people reject our Savior as often as we hear people say, well, he, he, just, he, just isn't, he just doesn't have any love for Christ. I don't believe people reject Christ. I believe people today are rejecting the messengers of Christ because we're not where we need to be. And that's where I was at. As I said earlier, I had a bad attitude. I lost my joy. I held my family back. Bottom line, I wasn't where I needed to be. Here's a sobering thought. Think about Judas for a minute. You ready? Judas had the best pastor, the best leader, the best teacher, the best friend, and he failed. I was going to hope. I had the best leader, the best teacher, the best friend, and failed. Why? If you have a bad attitude, the problem isn't the leadership of the church or the people of the church you go to. If your attitude doesn't change, your character transformed, you will always be the same. That's powerful stuff. And the only thing that will pull you out of that funk, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You pull this thing out, I dare you, like Hayden said last week, and you start reading this thing on a daily basis, it will change the way you look at life. Here's another point that I want to make. See this book? Is there anybody in here that has this book? It's been up on the screen for the last two months. Pastor Hyden's urged us to buy and read this book. I love the title. I could, I might, I can, I should, I will. When we talk to certain people that we think would be so awesome in certain areas of ministry in this church, we kind of get this feedback. Well, I could. I might. I'll pray about it. I can. I'll get back to you. How many times have we said this? I should. I know in my heart of hearts I should. But this book takes you to I will. Isn't that cool? It's a great title. I'm going to read here just a couple of paragraphs. Chapter 2 talks about a bad attitude. It talks about an old crusty church member that doesn't want to do anything. Just wants to criticize and Judge and all that good stuff. I praise God for those who've stepped up like Pastor Hyden and accept the call to start this church. And all of you young and cool people rallying around and drew me in. Thank you for doing that. Because it helped transform me. The right attitude. Am I a joyful church member? 
Have you ever noticed that grateful people are joyous people? You know what happens when you lose your joy? You lose your gratitude. You're no longer grateful for what Christ did for you. When you think about our life on earth compared to eternity, oh my goodness, we have something to look forward to. But we lose that. We're no longer grateful. Then the author says this, have you ever seen a GCM? <laughs> That's my acronym for a grumpy church member. <laughs> Contrast them to JCMs, joyous church members. We got some joyous church members in here. That's why I'm here. Yes. One of them right here. Joyful. And it just, it just sucks you in. And that's what happened. I'm so thankful for that. But look what he says here. A joyful church member counts her blessings. She is grateful for the freedom and opportunity to worship with other believers. She is a constant source of encouragement to pastors, church staff, and fellow church members. Time to move from, I could, I might, I can, I should, to I will. And then it says, your attitude determines who you are. Am I joyous? Am I angry? Am I grateful? Am I jealous? Our attitudes are the foundations of our actions. If I am a joyous Christian, I will tend to be an encouraging person. If I'm an angry Christian, I will tend to be a critical person. I challenge you to grab this book. It's a great read. Well, as I said, I wanted to show you from God's word what that verse means when our mission statement simply says, we're here to free people so that they can walk in him, right? That's why we're here. We're here to walk in him. I've laid out my difficult run that I had, and I did that on purpose. Sometimes it takes the humility to, and, and again, whenever you say you're humble, you're no longer humble, so I understand that. But it takes some sort of humility to say what I needed to say today. But I need you to help hold me to that place of humility, right? We all need each other to hold our, ourselves in, the, in that area of our Christian walk. Because again, I was silenced and I don't want you to be silenced. And when you lose your joy, you're no longer walking in truth, you're walking in a lie. Look with me to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6. Here's what the Bible says. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. 11 months ago, that attitude of humility drove me to repentance. Vance preached a message at Hope. He used an incredible illustration of a water pot. I don't know if you saw that. Go on his archives and watch it. It brought me to my knees, literally. Pastor Vance is as good at bringing you to your knees as he preaches the word of God, as God uses him to convict us. And that day I had to go forward and get my heart right. We don't see that happen very often, do we? You know why it's so hard at the end of a service to come to our 
altars in our churches and just get along with God and pray a prayer of repentance? Pride. Amen? I hope that we can be a church where if we have something on our hearts and we know we need to get it right, we don't, we don't let a day like this go by to where we just don't go before God. Right here. If we can't do it here, where can we do it? Right? Think about that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to close things up with, I believe, the greatest passage in the Bible when it comes to repentance. I'm going to close with Psalm chapter 51. This particular passage of Scripture is powerful. David was a man after God's own heart. And he fell and fell hard. He looked upon a woman. He looked upon Bathsheba. He had an affair with Bathsheba. And then he brought her husband Uriah back from, or put Uriah on the front line to have him killed. Wow. This is a man after God's own heart. And he comes to God in an attitude of repentance. And as our worship team comes forward to close us out here, I'm going to take us through this particular passage. Our band is going to play Surrender All. I believe there's somebody here this morning that may be going through the same thing I was going through. Let God free you from that misery, that, that frustration of walking half-heartedly and line it up with God. Whether you're the father of a child, a mother of a child, a husband, the leader of a home, whatever it might be, I want you to be able to come forward here this morning. You're going to see that there's people here to pray with you if you want us to pray with you. But let's drop some pride this morning. Let's find a place of humility. Walk Church needs you as much as it needs me so that we can live out our mission statement to free people to what? Walk in Him. Walk in Him. Well, here we go. Just listen with both ears. Don't let it go in one and out the other. Both ears on, right? Here we go. David praying to God, have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Now hold on. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Wow, what does he mean by that? That attitude of conviction that you get is like a broken bone if you've ever had a broken bone. It hurts. You don't need to live with that. And here's what he says. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. God created me a clean heart. You see that? Created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. 
Cast me not away from your presence and take me not and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And here it is. Are you ready? Restore. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Please, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we bring this service to a conclusion, we're here in the front to pray with you. If this is a, a passage of scripture that has moved you to leave the attitude of just being complacent in God and wanting to move forward and be something special for him to bring honor and glory to his name, being on both sides of the street, let me tell you, walking wholeheartedly is a whole lot better than walking half-heartedly. Let's walk in him.